God is moving in this church in a really special way. And I know you think, oh, the pastor says that all the time. Well, um, I have seen God move, and I see him moving like this again, again. Um, our weekend crowd is getting larger. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Our Saturday night services are growing. Our Sunday morning, yeah, I appreciate you because it's all about Jesus and talking to people about Jesus and being authentic. Um, our Sunday morning crowds are, are growing significantly. In fact, a lot of times on Sunday mornings, I look back and I see people show up to the service and they stand in the back wall and they're looking for a chair to sit on. It's that, it's that crowded at times. And I'm always, I'm always thoughtful of our new people because we have that dreaded death step in the back that I just hate. And I don't want anyone to fall or trip over that dreaded death step. And, but I, but I, I see that. And I'm like, hmm, what is God doing? What is God doing? I, I have learned to look for signs of God working. I look for his fingerprints. I look for his favor, and I see all of this. So we are, are growing significantly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had a, a, a pastor friend who did our men's retreat, um, John Hauser. He's from North Dakota. And he came, and he's, he's a, a consultant, a church growth consultant, and he typically visits churches that are much larger than us, you know, usually 2,000, 3,000 plus in attendance. And he came, and we walked around the building together, and and then he went to men's retreat and he spoke and did a good job there. And he saw, uh, spent time with me, got to be with our leadership and got to see our worship team. And he came back and he said, all right, Ruben, here's some free advice. Here it is. Um, the room you're meeting in is too small. He said, the space in this worship center is going to constrict you. You can only grow so much. And, and, uh, and he encouraged me to pray about it. So I've been praying, and here's your part. Would you pray with me? I, I told the men this morning, um, you know, Jesus got a hold of my life when I was 18 years old, and I haven't forgotten that. I'm just still just as grateful. So there's no way I'm going to put up a sign on our church door that says, no vacancy. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do that. No way. Uh, I, I want everyone to know Jesus. And uh, we have crazy, crazy testimonial stories of people who haven't been in church in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years that come here and turn to Jesus and we get to baptize them. I'm so grateful for that. So I, I feel like uh, we're at Thorn Creek version 5.0 right now. And, uh, and I don't know what God's going to do, but I need you to pray. I want you to be a part of it. Every single one of you is a part of it. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them he's talking about you right now. You are a part of it. We need you. I think one of the lies from the devil is when he tells you somebody else will do it, you don't need to do it. You're not that important. That's just a lie from the devil. So, which brings me to this quote. Here it is. The size of your God determines the size of everything. Think about that a little bit. The size of your God determines the size of everything. I'm going to ask you a question. How big is your God? How big is he? 
How big is he? How big is your Savior, Jesus? <laughs> big, big, big God, big Savior. I, I think that's an important um, question because we could say, you know, I think my God's a big God, but then we face certain situations in life and we doubt and we worry. Anybody worried right now? Raise your hand if you're worried about something. I so appreciate the authenticity. Uh, for those of you who, who did not raise your hand and you should be raising your hand, you know who you are. How big is your God? Why are you worried about anything? How big is your God? I mean, does he know everything? Do you think he knows everything? I mean, I mean, how big is your God? Do you think God spared your life at some point in your life and you didn't even know it? How big is your God? Do you think he's showing mercy and grace over you right now, even when you're not asking for it? Do you think, I mean, how big is your God? I think for me, if I could wrap my head around how big my God is, if I could do that, then he's not very big. <laughs> because he's bigger than I can imagine. I'm, I'm a human person, and, and I, I see things with my eyes, and I, I read stories about God's work and purpose and miracles, but God is bigger. How big is your God? How big is he? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, um, we're going to spend some time in this chapter. It's a famous story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It involves Jesus sleeping in a boat, and he's chilling out, and there's a big storm that comes about them, and you read about this story in the Gospels, and one thing I like about, uh, you know, we're in this series, you know, this series, more than a name, and, and throughout the Gospels, you see these instances where Jesus, you think like the disciples have figured him out. It's kind of like, I've gone to church all my life. I know what to expect. I know the songs. I know what the preacher's going to say next. I know what, whatever. And you know, some of you have thought that even when I'm up here preaching, you know who you are. I've heard this before. I don't need to hear this. I'm going to tune out. This message is for someone else, right? And then Jesus does something. He does something that just blows them away. Here it is. Mark chapter 4 says this. Is this on right now? Is this hot? Am I hot? Baby, am I hot right now? Is your chocolate stallion hot? All right, here we go. <laughs> oh, stop. I would have said that to her when we were doing our marriage talk, and she said, I gave up chocolate for Lent. That's what she said. It wasn't a very Christian thing to say to me. Um, verse 35. <laughs> that day, that day, say that day with me. When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Let's do that. Uh, you know, I should stop right here because Jesus was exhausted. He has spent the day teaching. Yeah, he's been teaching back to back. He's been out in the sun. I mean, I mean, you've been out in the sun for a bit. I mean, you know, when you're out in the sun for a long time, like Waterworld is a terrible place to go. I mean, if you 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 just you out there or in a beach, just out in the sun and no shade, you, some of you can get crabby just getting hot, being all out there all day. Some of you can get crabby without the sun too. Verse 36 says this: Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. I just like that word because we don't ever say the word squall. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. That's the back of the boat. Sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if he yelled like that or if he just said, Quiet, be still. I think he's Jesus, so he could have said it any way he wanted to. Then the wind died down, and it was completely, what? Calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, and what's the question they asked each other? Let's read it out loud. Who is this? One more time. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? And there's, this is another moment where they thought they had it all figured out. And then, and then they say, who is this? The title of today's sermon is Knowing Peace in Your Storm. Knowing Peace in Your Storm. There's a famous painting, uh, Rembrandt, um, uh, called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Isn't that a cool picture of this storm? And I, I love the one picture where this one apostle is like looking right at the artist. And, and Jesus is just chilling out in the back. And he's like, he's like, you know, he just woke up from a nap. And you see how the apostles, are struggling to get a control and they're fearful, they're afraid. One museum curator put it like this, the biblical scene pitches nature against human frailty, both physical and spiritual. The panic-stricken disciples struggle against a sudden storm and fight to regain control of their fishing boat as a huge wave crashes over its bow, ripping the sail and, and drawing the craft perilously close to the rocks in the left foreground. One of his disciples succumbs to the sea violence by vomiting over the side. That's a little, you know, liberty there. It's not in scripture. Amidst this chaos, only Christ at the, at the right remains calm, like the eye of the storm, awakened by the disciples' desperate pleas for help. He rebukes them. Why are ye... Fearful, all you Kings James lovers, hello. Oh, ye of little faith. And then rises to calm the fury of wind and waves. Isn't that good? I appreciate art and literature. Um, and I, I look at this picture right here that was incidentally stolen. I don't know if you knew that. It was stolen from a museum in, in Boston. But anyway, um, if you have it, please return it. It's the right thing to do. It's worth like half a billion dollars or something. But... Uh, uh, in this picture, I, I look at uh, the panic, and I think uh, we could all identify with storms in life. Maybe you've been through one. If you haven't, you will. All of us have been through storms. And there's different types of storms in life. Sometimes it, it could be related to relationships or it could be related to 
marriage or, or work or something happened. It could be a health issue, a relationship issue, an emotional issue, uh, whatever you're struggling with. It could be drama in your life. People are hurting you. You know, you're being slandered. Um, and then, it, you know, people, when we go through storms, it's hard. Sometimes when we go through storms, we just walk away. You know, I've said it before. I think sometimes staying in the boat requires more, more faith in getting out of the boat. Um, but we could uh, walk away if we have a storm in our marriage or at the church we attended or work and uh, we're with friends, a relationship, and we're like, you know what? Peace out. I'm, I'm out of here kind of thing. And then we have these secret storms that we don't like, um, we don't talk a lot about. Um, there's storms like people, people think you're strong, but they don't know how many times you failed. You know what I'm saying? People think you have it all together, but you know who you are. People think you love God, but they don't know that it's been a long time since you've heard God's voice. You know, people look at you and think, wow, look at that person look, driving around that nice car, and, and they, don't, they don't know that you're behind, you know, four-month payments on that car because, it, you know, things haven't worked out the way you thought kind of thing. People congratulate you for that new job promotion, but they don't know what you had to compromise to get that job, and they don't know the cost that you're paying to be at that job and how you don't get to see your kids anymore or whatever it might be. People may think, well, you have a smile on your face, so everything must be going well for you, but they don't know that you're battling depression and, and you've thought about giving up and, and you're not sure about anything anymore. And, or people think you're a strong Christian, but they don't know that you have that secret addiction. They don't know. So we have these private storms that we battle, and, and, uh, and, and you see this, this picture, and it reminds me that, that we have all kinds of storms in life. So what do you do when you face a storm like this, and, and how does this happen, and how does God work in, the, in these situations? First thing I want you to see is this. Verse 35. Whose idea was it to go out and cross this sea? Scripture says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Whose idea was it? It was Jesus. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And I thought about this and I thought, well, do you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm out in the middle of the sea? Do you think he was aware of that? I think he was. I think he was. Do you think he, did he give anyone a heads up? Hey, I just want you to know everything's good now, but just wait. And then I thought about this. I, I thought about, like, have you noticed um, most things start off calm? Most things start off calm. He just said, get in the boat and go ahead and go on out. And I mean, it was, I mean, I don't think there was a storm at the bank. He said, get in the boat. It was calm. I think it was calm. They weren't fearful. They weren't afraid, terrified, none of that stuff. So they just get in this boat, and most things start off calm. It was calm when they took off on that boat. And then I thought, a lot of things start off calm. That relationship starts off calm. That marriage might start off calm. That dating relationship might start off calm. That job might start off calm. That business venture might start off calm. 
calm. <laughs> There's a lot of things that kind of start off calm. And then I thought about, about this. You know, we, uh, I mean, everything, we're so used to things like being calm. Like when you fly and you have that flight attendant that stands between the seats and stands up and they give you the whole safety instructions thing. How many of you just like tune out that whole thing? You look down, and you're looking at your phone, and you're not listening, and they're telling you, hey, by the way, if we lose oxygen, this is what you need to know. If we lose cabin pressure, this is what you need to know. If, you, if we have to jump out of the airplane, this is how you open the door. And if you're in the ocean, this is what you need to float while you're in the ocean. And if it goes down in the middle of this, and if you have to swim, and nobody is listening, because everything starts off calm and we're thinking it's not it's no big deal everything is good and everything's it's, it's like the honeymoon so it's not the takeoff that you should be concerned about most things take off good <laughs> most marriages friendships relationships all that stuff here's what it is it's what happens in the middle it's what happens in the middle it's after it's calm. It's after the takeoff. It's after you've been far enough where you look back and you can't see the land anymore. You know what I'm saying? And you're out there now. And now you're in the middle of that relationship. You're in the middle of that job situation or that church or whatever it is or that venture. And now you're in the middle. And now you're thinking, okay, <laughs> I didn't expect this storm. I didn't expect this to happen all the time. You got to understand this. God is not big on details. He just says, go. He's not big on details. He doesn't tell you, okay, I'm just going to let you know now. In a few years, you who you're trying to get, you know, you want to, you're, you're going to get, you're, you want to have a kid. You're going to have two miscarriages. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you one day you're going to be holding your baby in your hands. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't say you're going to lose your job and you're going to question a lot of things about yourself and you're going to question your manhood. He doesn't tell you any of that. He doesn't tell you one day you're going to be so depressed you're going to want to just quit. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you one day you're going to be cheated on. He doesn't tell you that either. He doesn't say one day you're going to, you're going to be tempted to just become a drunk and hit that bar every day and you're going to lose everything and you're going to lose your wife and your kids and you're going to lose everything. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you one day everything, the bottom's going to fall out and you're going to, he doesn't tell you that. So we can't predict that. We can't predict that. Let me say it like this. Storms happen along the way. They just happen along the way. I think about uh, Thorn Creek Church. You know, um, our first nine years, we were at uh, this building that we would affectionately call Autotroll because that was the name of the company that it used to be in that building. But it's on Washington and 126th Street, Westgate Schools in there right now. So that's where Thorn Creek Church used to be. And it was just nirvana. I mean, it was just growing and great and praise and clapping and baptisms. And a few times we, we you know, we had a thousand in attendance in this office building and it was great. And then something happened. We had to have some uh, staff leave and that was hard on people. We got evicted. 
I, I remember that. I, we got, I was on a seven-week sabbatical, and I just got back from New York, and, and uh, I, I was just prayed on by Jim Symbol at Brooklyn Tab, and I came back, and I was like, okay, this is it. We got we to gotta move out. And all of a sudden, overnight, we became a portable church, <laughs> meeting, setting up, tearing down, doing all of that stuff, and we didn't expect that storm to happen. Don't assume God will call you to a place where there will be no storms. Don't assume God is more concerned about your comfort. Don't assume that God will lead you to a place where there will be no fears. Don't assume that. The scripture said a furious squall came up. And says it like this in Mark chapter 4, verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You know, the Sea of Galilee is really not a sea at all. It's a freshwater lake, no more than 160 feet deep at its deepest. Hills surround the Lake of Galilee like a horseshoe on three sides. They're about 1,300 feet high. The lake itself is below sea level, but it can churn up storms at an eye blink because it's at the bottom of this bowl. The Sea of Galilee is 682 feet below the Mediterranean Sea, which is 30 miles away. And when a burst of cool air crushes into hot air rising from the Sea of Galilee's storms arise. Just that quick. Just that quick. Now think about this. Storms can arise just that quick in your life. One text can change the trajectory of your life, right? One phone call can make you drop everything. One email, one conversation, and all of a sudden you thought everything was good, but a squall has come up in your life, and you thought you were riding well and everything was calm, but from out of nowhere something has happened in your life. Storms don't always warn you that they're coming. The other thing I've discovered that is this. You don't get to pick the storms you face. You don't get to pick what life is going to hand you. Do you? Sometimes we face storms. We're like, I don't like this storm. Nobody likes this storm. It's like, why am I facing this? I would never have wanted this. But God has a purpose in it. The other thing I've discovered about storms is this. You can be in a blessing and a storm at the same time. Right? Jesus was in the boat. And the squall came up. And they were caught in the storm and Jesus was with him in the boat. Sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm in a storm, so I must have taken a wrong turn. I must have done something wrong. Not necessarily. It's true. It is true. Sometimes God allows us to go through storms to get our attention. That's true. Sometimes we need to be humbled. Sometimes God needs to wake you up to help you realize that that you're not, you're not bigger than him, <laughs> that you're not all that. I mean, sometimes he does that, but other times it's part of your spiritual journey. It's part of your spiritual journey. Storms are part of God's plan for you to get to the other side. 
That's what they are. They're part of God's plan. Um, storms teach you a lot of lessons. Storms teach you that you're not in control of as much as you think you are, right? Storms teach you to be faithful, <laughs> don't they? I mean, it, it takes a lot of faith to stay in the boat, doesn't it? It takes a lot of grit to stay the course. I mean, storms teach you about your character as well. I've talked about this several times. It's kind of like when you're washing dishes and you have a sponge in your hand and you squeeze that sponge and only then do you see what's inside of it. And storms have a way of squeezing us and we see what's inside of us. We thought we had a lot of faith until. We thought we were really strong until. <laughs> we thought we were in a, you know, we had stronger legs until. And it was only until we were in that situation and we realized, this is, this is too much. This is too much. Storms teach lessons all the time. It's like when you squat, you know, when you work out. I know if I put so much weight on my barbell, um, I, I, it'll crush me. So I have to put less weight on because I'm not there yet. I know that. The storms can teach you something about yourself. But the storm taught you some lessons about yourself over and over. Incident, when you find yourself in a storm, I want to say this. Don't compromise your relationship with God. Because sometimes you can be so discouraged in the midst of it. You feel like God isn't with you. You feel like God's not hearing you. You feel like you're off course, whatever. And you might compromise your obedience to God because you're so discouraged. And it's kind of like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm just going to go Vegas. You know what I'm saying? I don't care anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care anymore. If that's, what, if that's what Christianity is, if that's who God is, I don't care anymore. You need to know your God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's going to see you through the storm. He hasn't left you. He's with you. He's watching over you. He's going to take care of you. I have a... I came across this Facebook message that was sent to me on, on Friday, August 31, 2018. And it says, um, hey, Reuben, I felt the need to tell you that for the past several years, I've been very worried and stressed out about what the future holds for me and my wife. If she's going to like her new job, if I'm going to get promoted this time, if we're going to be able to have a baby, and if... We do. Will, that, will we have a miscarriage again? Wow, check that out, Greg. I was sitting outside watching the sun set over the mountains here in Japan and trying to relax a bit when I felt curious to see if Thorn Creek had an app yet. <laughs> this is going back here, Jeremy. Sure enough, I found it and downloaded it and started looking at the podcast. I found the podcast from a few weeks back titled Thorn Creek Goes to the Beach. Our titles have gotten a little bit better, I'd like, I'd like to think. And I started playing it. I really got into what you were saying, and it helped me out so much. It really opened my eyes. Why do I need to worry about this? I trust and love God, and he always has a better plan than me. Your message has made an impact in my life, and I pray that God continues to use you to spread his messages 
the message that you passed on through that podcast reached me, and I am 6,152 miles away from Thorn Creek Church. God is good. And I look at that now, and, and here, I, see, I hear his worries, and now this man, he's married, he has kids, a full life, and God is taking care of him. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Yeah, you can celebrate that. We worry about stuff, don't we? It's good to journal about your life and look back over the years and say, why was I worried about that? Why was that? Sometimes God will use a storm so that you can see what's inside of you. He knows what's inside of you, but you don't know what's inside of you. And sometimes God will allow a storm to expose, unearth, reveal what's inside of you. Hear this, the storm is not yours to fix, it's yours to survive. A lot of times, especially men, we're like, I got to fix this. And that's just a lot of times that's the, way, that's the way it is. And you can spend a lot of energy, a lot of time trying to fix that storm. And sometimes the goal is to persevere. Your job is to stay faithful. Verse 38 said, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And I, I, I look at that and it says Jesus was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, and he's crashed out. First of all, I think, you know, he can sleep pretty good. <laughs> he's like in a boat, in a storm, and he's crashed out. It reminds me of the days when we had our little ones, when they would sleep with the lights on and everything. I mean, they just can sleep through anything. But, uh, but you see that, and Jesus is sleeping. It reminds me when I used to go saltwater fishing with my grandfather. We would go in the boat, and I knew if I got in the front of the boat, um, and I, that was really choppy right there, right underneath that, going on the waves. But if I was in the back of the boat, it was a lot better. Front of the boat was a little bit warmer, though, but the back of the boat, it was, it was not as, as choppy. It was much, much nicer. But they, they wake up Jesus and, and they ask him, don't you care? And I thought, gosh, isn't that just like humans to think like that? God is love. I mean, how many times have we said, God, if you're loving, God, if you're good, God, I mean, he is intrinsically good. Jesus is the fullness of God. He is God in the flesh, and they're questioning God's character. And when you look at Scripture, you look at the love of God over and over and over. But they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? What did they call Jesus? Teacher. All he was was a rabbi to them. Your job is to preach. Your job is to preach. That's what you need to do. That's your thing. I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I have felt that. It's like, pastor, put down that hammer. Just, your job is to preach. You don't know what you're doing. Your job is to preach. I asked one of our guys once, they came to church in a motorcycle. I don't know if you remember this or not, Adam. They came to church in a motorcycle, and I thought, I'm just going to freak him out a little bit. I said, hey, can I ride your motorcycle? And he looked at me like, your job is to preach. What do you mean, ride a motorcycle? And he said, sure. And I got on that thing, and I opened it up. And they were like, ah! <laughs> it was the first time I ever rode a motorcycle. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the first time. But we can do that. Like, your job is to preach, rabbi. That's your job. Teacher, aren't you going to save us? Verse 39 says, He got up, 
rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, say quiet with me. Now, now say quiet like you're, like it's forceful, like you're telling the ocean or the sea to be quiet. Say quiet. Be still. Say it again. <laughs> say quiet. One more time. Quiet. Be still. There it is. You know what that means? It originally means ordered. In the Greek language, here's what it means. Jesus put a muzzle on the sea. It's literally what it means. He, he put a muzzle on it. It was like, be muzzled. That's what he did. Be muzzled. Now, they, they've seen Jesus do some miracles. They've been to church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they've seen him do a lot of stuff. And when you look at the chapters before this one, I mean, there's all kinds of miracles he does and like, like commanding a demon to come out of someone and changing water to wine and, and healing the sick. And he does this, but it's the first time they see him have authority over nature. It's the first time they have, they've seen that he has authority over nature. He's more than a name. I mean, Colossians says, all things were created through him and for him. They do not know that Jesus existed before the world began. And this is T-ball for Jesus. It's no big deal. He puts a muzzle on it right there. And the next verse, verse 40 says this, And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know what, what's interesting to me about this one? Is why didn't Jesus go out to the edge of the boat and go, Wow, that's a really big storm. Oh my goodness, you're right. Why didn't he do that? You know what he did? He put a muzzle on the storm and then he was looked at his disciples and he says, what's your problem? What's your problem? Haven't you been with me all this time? Haven't I worked in your life? Haven't I answered prayers? Haven't you been there before? Haven't you sang all those songs in church? Haven't you been there before? Didn't I move in your life? What are you afraid about? <laughs> Jesus is more amazed at the size of their doubt than the size of the storm. This was, this was nothing. He was more amazed at the size of their doubt than the size of the storm. That's what Jesus was amazed at. The disciples knew that Jesus could do all this other stuff, all these miracles, catch a bunch of fish, you know, cleanse a leper, hear a paralytic, all, heal a paralytic, all that stuff. But they did not know the Jesus who can command the sea to put a muzzle on it. And it would shut up, literally just stop in a, in a, a moment. There's also this spiritual expectation that God has with us. Jesus turns to them and says, well, why don't you have any faith? You've seen me move in your life. See, when you're looking at the storm, Jesus is looking at your faith. When you're looking at your storm and anxiety and worry and all of those things are creeping up, 
Jesus is looking at your faith. Verse 41 says, they were terrified. Say terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves are afraid, are, 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 uh, <coughs> obey him. Even the wind and waves obey him. Um, so when, when I saw this, you know, the scripture before that, if you look at it, the, verse 40 said, Jesus said, why are you so afraid? But verse 41 says, they were terrified. I, I think there's like, like, like afraid or fear here, and there's terrify here, right? Terrify is stronger than afraid, isn't it? Terrified is man. I'm, I'm, and you know, afraid down here is, you know, maybe Freddy Krueger or something like that. Or, uh, but, but terrified is I am, I am freaking out. You know what I'm saying? They were afraid of the storm, but after Jesus put a muzzle on it, you know what they were? They were terrified of Jesus. You catch that? They were afraid of the storm, but when Jesus did that, now they're terrified of Jesus, and now they're like, who's in the boat with us? Oh my word. I thought he was rabbi. I've never seen a rabbi do that. I wonder how many of them would be like, should he even be in this boat? I'm a little tripped out right now. I don't know about this. I'm fearful. I'm terrified. For the first time, they saw Jesus is bigger than the storm. You know, the other thing I saw in this is Jesus is so big and so good. We face a storm and we think, gosh, how am I going to get out of this? And I want you to hear this. Jesus is big enough to put a muzzle on it and make it calm immediately. He is big enough to save immediately. He is big enough to work immediately. He is big. You've been praying for a long time, and I just want you to know your God is big enough to change the circumstances immediately because he's God, and there's nobody like him. There's nobody like Jesus, and he can do anything he wants, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and your Jesus has the authority to put a muzzle on on it immediately and change circumstances and change your heart and change your life and change your career and change that relationship and change that marriage and change your child change your kid immediately Jesus can change circumstances change your circumstances immediately because that's who Jesus is he changes things immediately so you don't don't lose hope you hold the course I gotta end with this one Jesus in John chapter 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus in this verse says, in this world you're gonna have storms. There's gonna be things that are gonna happen that shake your theology. talking about they're gonna make you question it's gonna make you question some stuff it's gonna make you question who God is or what Christianity is or what the church is about or 
is God loving, all that stuff. And on this side of heaven, guys, it could be hard, right? It could be hard when things happen that just don't make sense. We live in this fallen world where things happen like that. But we have this assurance. We have our faith. We have our hope. We have God's word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We have Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to leave you with this word. You can have peace in your storm because the one who has authority over the wind and the waves is with you. Isn't that a good word? You can have peace in your storm because the one who has authority over the wind and the waves is with you. Isn't that a good word? So whatever you're facing right now in life, you just need to know your Jesus is bigger. Your God is bigger. I know you're looking at the storm and you might be shaking in the knees and you might think, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this and I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it and my bank account doesn't look good and everything, I got a hole in my bow. You might feel like that. I don't know how my marriage can change. I don't know if I'll ever you know, get this business off the ground. I don't know if my kid will ever change. I don't know if they'll ever get reconciled. Whatever it is, you have a Jesus who can change circumstances immediately. Your job is to stay the course. Stay the course. Say it with me aloud. Stay the course. Say it again. Stay the course. Stay the course. You keep walking by faith. You keep trusting God. You keep going to church. You keep reading God's word. You keep praying because you have a God. You have a Savior who's bigger than anything you're facing. And he's able to command the wind and the waves to shut up, <laughs> to be muzzled. That's what he could do. You stay obedient. You stay faithful. You keep trusting. God is with you. God loves you. God's going to take care of you. God hears your prayers. He's with you. He's not going to let you down. 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 Jesus is with you. Do you feel it? Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He'll take care of you. Jesus is like, what? Jesus into your heart. Others of you, you might need to repent for your sins. You know better and you haven't made the best decisions in this storm. 
And some of you just need to say, Jesus, put a muzzle on it for me, will you? <laughs> put a muzzle on it right now. I ask for a miracle right now. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. We thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, God. You're so, you're so good, God. I recognize your presence and I recognize your love and your mercy. Thank you. And if you need to ask Jesus in your heart, just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Others of you might need to say, Jesus, I need you. Wake up, Lord. It feels like you're sleeping. I ask you to put a muzzle over my, over my storm right now. I ask for a miracle right now, God. And others of you might need to say, Jesus, help me to stay the course. I'm going to ride out this storm. I just want to get stronger in it. I want my faith to go deeper, so I'm going to praise you harder. I'm going to take my faithfulness and obedience to another level. I'm not going to let a storm dictate my faithfulness. I'm not going to let a storm determine my obedience. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust you, and I'll just run harder, Lord. And Lord, I want to say one more thing. Would you touch every soul right now? Give them strength, peace. You are the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Give them peace. Thank you for your presence, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, put your hands together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.